Welcome to The Gaggle, where we bring you inside the newsroom to talk Arizona politics beyond what's in print. I'm Michael Squires, the politics editor at the Arizona Republic and AZ Central, and I'm at our Capitol Bureau with... Mary Jo Pitzel, state government reporter. Dan DeWicke, national political reporter. Yvonne Winget Sanchez, state political reporter. Today we're talking about lawmakers lawyering up, but not for the reason you think, and Senator Jeff Flake seeking an AUMF, and we'll tell you what that means. But first, we start with the indictment of four individuals, former Arizona Corporation Commissioner Gary Pierce, water company owner George Johnson, and Jim Norton, a lobbyist well-known around the Capitol and elsewhere, and Sherry Pierce, the spouse of Gary Pierce. Yvonne, tell us about this indictment and what's being alleged. Very broadly, the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office is alleging that Gary Pierce sold his vote on the Corporation Commission to favor uh, George Johnson, who's a well-known developer, especially in Pinal County, um, and that his votes favored um, Mr. Johnson. Uh, At the same time, the federal government is alleging that Jim Norton, who is this well-known lobbyist with ties all the way up to the executive tower, Governor Ducey's office, acted as a go-between to funnel money to Gary Pierce through his wife. Um, So it has uh, a lot of implications here at the state capitol. Mr. Norton has uh, vehemently denied the allegations and has said more will become known as the identity of a co-conspirator who is uh, named... An unindicted co-conspirator. An unindicted co-conspirator who is not named uh, in the indictment. As that name becomes known, motivations might become made more clear. So, Uh, Talking about Jim Norton, this well-known lobbyist that you mentioned... You wrote about him with Dan Nowicki, and among his clients, current and former, we would have the Chamber of Commerce, so basically the the face of the business community at the state capitol. We would have the city of Goodyear, Phoenix, Cox Communications, which he doesn't currently represent but has in the past, Um, El Paso Electric, Navajo County, Raytheon, and, and so on, some pretty big names as far as doing business at the capitol. What kind of impact does that have? Obviously, he is innocent until proven guilty, but if you're an entity like any of these, are you going to want to be associated with uh, someone who's been accused of these kinds of crimes? That's a good question. I mean, already uh, the city of Phoenix has suspended its contract with um, Axiom Public Affairs. This is a firm that uh, started back in 2015 as uh, Ducey was taking office. Uh, It quickly became known as the preferred firm if you wanted access to the ninth floor, although that's a characterization that the governor's office and his staffers would um, deny, uh, would dismiss. But clearly they wield a lot of influence down here at the state capitol. That's undeniable. I'd like to go back to Mr. Norton's comment about once the motive is known of the unindicted co-conspirator, all will become clear. I'm not quite sure what that actually means because the feds wouldn't necessarily move ahead unless this person provided them some kind of bona fide evidence. Thoughts on that? Uh, Well, yeah. Who could it be? That's kind of the the speculation and guessing game down at the Capitol. But, uh, you know, it's probably irresponsible to try (laughs) to throw names out at this point. Yeah, we're not going to throw names out here. Certain names do come up in private conversations at the Capitol. But my point is that motive aside, I mean, if 
if they got the goods, they got the goods. I mean, if you're, you, you and, I, and I know that a grand jury can indict a ham sandwich. Uh, so with that, you know, caveat, I'm just curious what motive really plays into this, other than some good parlor games. And, and we do see, uh, you know, in the past, some of these corruption cases, as you trail it down through the appeals, it winds up that nobody goes to jail, but uh, <laughs> maybe political careers are derailed. Mm. And the indictment, I think it, it, if I remember correctly, it's been a couple of days since I read it, but it made mention of documents and, and emails, and th there are dates and uh, pretty detailed uh, information, and so I wouldn't expect them to move forward on a case if a lot of those details are not nailed down. So the, the statements that came out um, on Friday afternoon um, from Norton, I'm innocent, will be entering the, a plea of not guilty. I look forward to my day in court. I'm confident these allegations will be shown to be without merit. Then going to this issue of the unindicted co-conspirator that Mary Jo brought up, the motivation behind these allegations will become transparent when the identity of the unindicted co-conspirator is revealed. So uh, obviously the entire defense is not laid bare there, but it appears that they're going to be going after whoever that individual is, to, uh, you know, saying they have motives that would cause them to make these allegations. We should also note that uh, Mr. Johnson uh, has stepped aside from his uh, running his company, um, has hired an attorney and will work on his defense and has also pro uh, professed his innocence. Their first date in court, Yvonne, is when? Uh, it's early June. It's either the 6th, 7th, or 8th, if I remember correctly. But uh, there have been some suggestions that a statement might might be read by one or more of, of these uh these people, not sure which one, but maybe we will learn more about this unindicted co-conspirator at that time. We'll have to uh, stay tuned to that. Certainly going to be an interesting thing to watch play out. Uh, shifting gears, uh, Mary Jo, you wrote about uh, state lawmakers hiring their own attorney in this case involving initiatives. Uh, can you first of all say what the, what did they change about the initiative process that's led to this lawsuit and why are they hiring a separate attorney other than the state attorney general? So the subject of this lawsuit is House Bill 2244, and it imposes a strict legal compliance uh, regimen on any kind of citizen initiative. Currently, the standard is substantial compliance. Um, if and when this law kicks in on August 9th, it will make it strict, which is just a, a higher hurdle to clear. Uh, lawmakers passed it. Um, a group of citizens who have been involved in initiatives filed a lawsuit, um, and the legislature responded by the House Speaker and the Senate President hiring their own attorney. They said because this bill was something that was basically near and dear to them, they think it's very important because the initiative process is one way that laws are made, and it's important to make the point that um, just as the legislature has to strictly comply, uh, so must citizen initiatives. That's drew a laughable response from the attorney <laughs> for these uh, plaintiffs who point out that the legislature has to come back every year and fix mistakes they made the year before. But the main reason for the, they wanted the expertise that attorney David can tell me could bring to this case, um, arguably beyond what the attorney general's office could provide. Now, now this is, uh, I saw some of the comments from J.D. Mesnard in your story where he's saying, we feel like this has been characterized in a way that makes us look, really look bad. Like we're trying to take away citizens' ability to do this. I mean, there's no question they've made it more expensive. And when it becomes more expensive, it, it 
tends to play to powerful interests rather than sort of a grassroots effort. So how does hiring an attorney get to that, I guess? Do they feel like that state wasn't going to argue that? The uh, the tack that the uh, attorney can tell me is taking right now is that there's no case here because there's no standing. Nobody's got a Nobody's harmed by this new law unless you're planning your own citizen initiative and um, perhaps he's trying to smoke out, you know, are some of these plaintiffs who are involved with the school board foundation or Planned Parenthood or the um, Animal Defense League of Arizona, might they be planning an initiative and is this a way to sort of sniff out their plans? Well, the Empowerment Scholarship account is the target of one effort. Will this affect that? Will they have to comply with the stricter rules as they gather signatures? The Empowerment Scholarship um, account is a referendum, not an initiative. All referendum must strictly comply with the law already. So they've got their high hurdle to clear. But it's different for citizen initiatives um, because that's the way the Constitution was written, or at least that is how the, uh, the plaintiffs are arguing. How much are the lawyers uh, charging an hour? Well, the the top fee is $320 an hour, um, a little less for an associate, you know, $100 an hour for the paralegal. It's a standard contract that this firm does for school districts as well. But these things always get under the public's skin because they hate to see taxpayer money being spent on litigation, even though, you know, some of the public may very well agree with, um, with the defense. Dan, AUMF stands for Authorization of the Use of Military Force, and it's on the mind of Senator Jeff Flake. Why is that? That's right. Jeff, Jeff Flake and Tim Kaine are teaming up again. Uh, they want to update the authorization for the use of military force that Congress last revisited in 2001 after the 9-11 attacks. Uh, the war on terror has raged on for nearly 16 years, but Congress really has never uh, revisited the issue. I don't know if he's saying it in these words, but I will say it in these words. He's accusing his colleagues of, of not being willing to vote uh, to up or down on the military action that the U.S. has been taking against uh, ISIS and in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's right. Um, according to Flake, more than half of the members of Congress today did not vote on the 2001 authorization of the use of military force after 9-11. You know, obviously the the battlefields have changed. In addition to the countries you mentioned, there's Yemen, Libya at play. And Jeff Flake teamed up with uh, Tim Kaine, the Democratic senator from Virginia, and they've drafted a new updated AUMF that they hope the Senate will take up. But it's kind of a, a dicey proposition because many members of Congress like not having any responsibility and like not having voted for the 2001 Hold on, hold back. <laughs> really? Right. Um, I mean, it really goes back probably to the, to the 2002 AUMF regarding the war on Iraq. And they've seen how that's been pinned to the tails of many politicians uh, who voted for that, and they just assume not have to stick well, their Hillary, neck out Hillary Clinton just in the last uh, right, presidential yeah. race. Right, it's dogged her dog to others as well. So th- the way they look at it is, you know, they're free to criticize if something goes haywire, but not have to take any responsibility. He, he's brought this up before. This is like his second time around or third? At least second or third time, right. And uh, 
he, his position is, you know, Congress has the power to declare war. It's in the Constitution, and they're the representatives of the people, and they don't shouldn't abdicate their responsibility. How will this keep us safe? Well, it's I guess that's for see how the debate goes, but certainly uh, the parameters of the war have changed. There could be limitations on ground troops. You know, Jeff Flake doesn't want that, but some Democrats do. They want would like to say. You know, we want to make sure there's no U.S. ground troops. Um, so it's certainly an overdue debate. It's something that the Congress should work its will on, probably. I'm wondering, is there a legal issue here as well? Is this something that some outside party could bring a lawsuit on? Well, I mean... And I then th- cause them to hire outside attorneys at Congress <laughs> at taxpayer expense. Uh, it just seems more like... Uh, it's kind of been stretched. The original uh, AUMF obviously was aimed at al-Qaeda, uh, very much focused on the 9-11 attacks, and now it's been kind of stretched. Uh, ISIS, uh, the Islamic State, wasn't around in 2001, but if you kind of squint and, you know, uh, you can say, well, they're part of al-Qaeda, they're an associated force. And there's some other groups as well that, that weren't around and we've been just proceeding as as normal under this 15-year-old AUMF. So it's like you had NSYNC back then. Now you have Justin Timberlake. Is that right? Exactly. So um, <laughs> it, it is uh, like when when Barack Obama was elected president, he, he was certainly running against uh, at least how the war that war was started, the intelligence and the, the dubious uh, arguments that were made around that. Um, it was clear that public opinion seemed to support his positions, and he did a lot to draw down troops there. It would be interesting to see how, where is public opinion on that. Is it, would do you think a vote like this be a good representation of that? There, yeah, there doesn't seem to be much public demand for uh, updated AUMF, and not really clear if Jeff Flake's constitutional arguments um, would <laughs> would resonate with voters particularly. I think. There's been war fatigue for, for many years, and uh, the Obama administration actually sent mixed messages, but at one point, in fact, it was right after Caleb Mueller's death was confirmed, uh, President Obama... from uh, Prescott. Right. President Obama did ask for an updated AUMF, and Congress could never come to terms on it. So if, it, if this were to come to a vote, is this something that would happen... Uh between now and their summer recess in August? Or? Jeff Flake said that, that Bob Corker, who is the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, upon which both Flake and Kane sit, has signaled that he's gonna, he wants to bring it up, and he's interested in doing it as well. So that's one big step if they can get out of the Foreign Relations Committee. And now for our final segment, what are you all watching for this week, Yvonne? Jim Norton's client list. Will it shrink, stay the same, grow, read AZ Central? I bet it shrinks. <laughs> Is that a spoiler? <laughs> uh, Man, you ruined it. <laughs> Dan? Yeah, I, um, I'm looking for Mitt Romney coming to Arizona for two Jeff Flake fundraisers. Raja? I hope to be attending a Thursday meeting that was called by Arizona's 15-county recorders at which they are inviting Secretary of State Michelle Reagan. They've got a fix a, a committee that Reagan let lapse that's led to delays in payments for the state voter registration database. So it's another little tussle between Reagan and local election officials. 
Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find me on Twitter at MG Squires. You can find Mary Jo. At Mary J. Pitzel. And I'm Dan Nowicki. Just like my byline says, I'm at Dan Nowicki on Twitter. And I'm at Yvonne Winget. Our producers are Kayla White, Hannah Gaber, and Manny Lozano. If you like our show and want to keep it around, please subscribe to and rate it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. See you next week.